Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stick and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's great to hear the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic getting there. They're just due now. It, it's pouring in all from all over the place. The admiration, but there, there's something. Got a chance to listen. Draymond Green does his podcast. He did one right after the game with the Nuggets the other night, and it's just it's one thing to hear ex players or commentators, you know, talk about Jokic, but you're talking about somebody who just was in the arena with him, just went head to head with him, just played him head to head, and just a few hours later, commenting. Joker 32-16 and 16 gave me complete hell tonight. I've had my fair share of good matchups against Joker. I've given him a little bit of hell on some night, but he gave me total and complete hell tonight, and I had absolutely no answers. You know what it takes for Trayvon to to admit all that? Gosh. Gave me hell. I had nothing. I've been in a few of those. (laughs) (laughs) This is not my night. Yeah, you just chalk it up to, man, I got my ass kicked and they pay the other guy too. Oh, man, there's nothing worse. That's a bad, bad feeling when you have zero answers and you keep throwing things out there, right? Just keep, like, maybe if I do this, maybe if I did, no, no, it's not going to work. I would, I would think those two love that matchup because Draymond, to carve out the kind of career he's carved out, remember, he was a second-round pick, too. Mm. And this is a guy who's been an undersized power forward playing bigger his entire career and, and widely known as one of the more cerebral, high-IQ players. So when you have two high IQ players going up against right. each other like that. That that's that's fun. The chess he, match. And remember he's the guy that's been able to to take on your five when yep. the Warriors were playing small all yep. the time. And really they would just outscore you and defensively they were good enough with him playing that role to like it it's it's what set them apart. Like you didn't have a matchup for their small lineup. And, you know, if you try to go big on them, they were still good enough to get stops. And, and, and Draymond was really the lynch, linchpin of kind of the way they did that. And uh, it's really cool, man. It's cool to hear guys throw the flowers at uh, the Joker. But it's obvious that the, the size of the Nuggets is really, you want to look at why the Nuggets have beaten Golden State seven straight times. Mentally, it's, it's flipped. But if you're just looking at just the pure X's and O's basketball matchup, Kerr alluded to it the other night. He's like, they're just massive. They they have so much size and length that mm. that we we really struggle with, and uh, that was on display in the words of Draymond Green. Second down, the Avalanche get Val Nichuskin back, not only out of the program but right back out on the ice yesterday. Jared Bednar naturally excited to see the big fella. His game is so well-rounded on both sides of the puck. The checking habits, the the ability to hold off defenders and create offense to help our top guys. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It'd be hard to pinpoint what the biggest um, area that we miss is, but it's a little bit of every area. The the avalanche with and without Val, the the numbers are are pretty, pretty staggering. When he was with the team, the Avs were 8th in the NHL on the power play. Without him, they've been 19th. Penalty kill, 8th with, 25th without. And 5-on-5, five five, 
Uh, goal percentage, uh, ninth with Val, 20th without Val. Huge, huge, huge return. Now we all cross our fingers, Avalanche included, and hope he's reliable right through to the end of the season. You hope. But boy, I tell you what, does a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the little things that probably go unnoticed by the majority of folks. And that's, you know, I always say that about Nicola's game. You know, at the end of the game, you look and you go, 32-16 and 16, how how'd that happen? And I think, I think Val has some of those qualities that they go unnoticed to, you know, the average hockey guy, the average hockey fan like me, they go unnoticed, but... And they, and they don't get charted in the box score, but they're incredibly valuable from a coach's eyes and, and like a real expert's eyes. I, I, I know it's it's hard to say, well, he's, where does he rank? He obviously ranks in importance behind Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, right? Maybe even Miko Rantanen, right? But yet, you look at the numbers with or without, the Avs have actually been able to do quite well over the last couple of years without McKinnon, without McCarr, but without Val... They are nowhere, nowhere near the same team. Quick point of order then. Yes. From this point forward, if we talk about Val, should we have with or without you playing in the background? Little U2. I like that. His, he gets his own music? Val gets his own Has music. Has Val done enough to earn his own music? You well, say yes, huh? Well, it's not that he's... Should somebody that unreliable be given right, his well, own that's song? What I, that's what I'm saying is that it, he's earned it through not being around. I see. With or without you third down. We will hear later today from both Sean Payton and George Payton at the uh, scouting combine in Indianapolis. We just had Mike Kliss on. Interesting. So Mike Mike shared that uh, a bunch of media out there, Denver media out there, had dinner with Sean Payton last night. Apparently this is something that Sean has done back to his uh, New Orleans days. I'm sure it probably was uh, of a little extra import considered considering his rather rocky relationship with the media at times this, this year. But uh, when you listen to Mike, and Mike says, hey, Broncos country, pay a little bit more attention to Jared Stidham. And don't be surprised if the Broncos don't draft a quarterback at number 12. We've been listening to Mike for a long time. He's a crafty veteran. How much of that is Mike's opinion? How much of that is him kind of parsing out what he hears from the Broncos, hears from Sean? Yeah, I think a lot of it is is parsing it out. And I've told you guys, I think they'll get a free agent quarterback, and I think they'll trade back. Those have been my two kind of predictions. Um, now, you got to find a trade partner, right, to trade back. So sometimes you can find one, sometimes you can't. It just depends on what's left in the draft and all those things. But that's kind of the – that was just kind of my takeaway of, of what I think or how I think they'll approach – free agency and the draft. So some other takeaways from uh from Mike he, he made it sound like again his opinion or what what he's hearing what he was told that what I heard what I heard was that Bo Nix and JJ McCarthy will likely be going earlier than what the Broncos where the Broncos are picking. And that 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 would be probably make it prohibitive for them to move up and get in position to get one of those guys. Correct. Did you hear the same thing? Yeah. Which then probably furthers the idea of them maybe trading back, which I, I'd have no problem with. Right. I'd have no problem with. Well, you got to look at all the all, all the teams that are desperate for quarterbacks, and 
you got a team right in front of them as well, Minnesota. What happens with Kirk Cousins? Because they've got the 11th pick. Some rumblings between Minnesota and the Patriots. Perhaps Minnesota looking to move up to that, that three spot. By the way, Telestrator Tuesday, coming up at 745, as Mark did a deep dive into a quarterback who is starting to kind of become a polarizing figure in this draft. Some feel he's can't miss. Other feel he's vastly overrated. That'll be Drake May. And uh, Mark did a film dive into Drake, and I've already got a little preview of what uh, Mark thinks about Drake May. I think you'll find it curious coming up at 745. That'll do it for Four Down Territory, our tour around the uh, local scene. Up next, I mentioned Draymond Green. Fresh off his one-on-one battle with Nikola Jokic. Some really, really good stuff. Uh, Draymond Green coming across is very, very likable. That's because he's saying nice things about Nikola Jokic. You'll hear it next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Just, I don't think you were even talking to me. You were just kind of muttering to yourself, as you're prone to do, talk to yourself. You, mm-hmm. have, you have many great conversations with yourself. I love eavesdropping. And uh, you were just commenting about how, man, I assume you were looking at the Ramoslaw.com text on. You're like, man, these rusties. <laughs> That's all you said. Yeah, it's, it's... What is with these rusties, I think it was? There's just a lot of people that... Um, I'm, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. They just don't like... Sean Payton, they don't like George Payton. They don't like the direction. The And until the, I get it, until the Broncos win, they're just going to be, you know, anti-Sean. And basically, Russell Wilson has been, you know, given a bad, dealt a bad hand. He's a victim. He's, a, he's been dealt a bad hand. I get it. I, I, I honestly do. And I can't blame Broncos country. Broncos country has been put through the ringer, yeah. at least with a lot of, teams that go through almost a decade's worth of um, putrid football, mm-hmm. at least it's like it's like obvious. It's like the message is being sent that, you know, we're rebuilding or we just right. know we suck or everybody knows we suck. But with the Broncos, there have been so many false hopes that have been floated and, and, and brought to Broncos country. Hey, yeah. this, this coach is going to change things. This quarterback still has something left. He's right. He knows now what it's like to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And young players drafted. Paxton Lynch, Drew Locke, all, all that stuff. They've just been. And then the, the culmination of all of it was this is not a drill. Russell Wilson's coming here. Mm. Widespread enthusiasm and optimism. It's not a matter of when the Broncos win another Super Bowl. It's, or if the Broncos win another Super Bowl, it's when and how many. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to have this all come crashing down, it's almost like too much to bear for a lot of fans. And so 
you don't want to believe that that Russ was really that bad or really at fault right. or is 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 beyond salvageable because then the realization sinks in wow what we thought was finally going to be the answer was actually a crushing no and if anything maybe sets us back even even further i can understand why people look at it and say i i don't want to believe that and i shouldn't have to believe that and it shouldn't be that way and shame on Sean Payton for not being able to make it work with Russ and being arrogant and off-putting along the way. Yeah. Is that, it, a, good, it, is that a good psychological I, breakdown I think of Broncos? I think it is, and I think it's one of those things, too, when you look back, you know, you look back to his career in Seattle and you start to realize how much the Seahawks, oh, how, how, much, how much they kept... That relationship between he and Pete Carroll and the organization and how much they kept under the surface, how much they protected that relationship in public, how much, I think, call it friction, there was, not early, but the second half of his time there, let's call it after the first Super Bowl, and how much actual conflict there was within the organization and how what an unbelievable job they did of keeping that that under wraps. Where Sean is just like, no, I'm going to cuss you out right on the sideline here. Like he doesn't have that same demeanor that Pete was able to carry throughout the last five years or so, six years of, of Russell's are, time. Are you, are you implying that if, if people understood what, what really was going on in Seattle, people would look at Russ differently? Yes. Wow, I'm not implying it. I didn't even get the question out of my mouth. I'm not implying it. I'm just telling you it's a fact. That Russ isn't as sympathetic figure as sympathetic figure as some would like to believe? Correct. Well, yeah, correct. Like if if Seattle didn't do such a good PR job of keeping things under wraps, then there would be a little bit different perspective. But you, you got to give them a ton of credit. And then also understanding... No matter how much, you know, you want your people around, no matter how much you, you're begging for, you know, to let you cook and do all this stuff, we know what you can't do. We know what you can and can't do. And so, therefore, we're going to make sure that we hold you accountable in these things that we know we can do to win. And I think, I think they masked, they did a great job of masking all the things that weren't good. And the average, even even not average, even guys in the media business, guys that were former players, guys like myself, you get fooled. Because what you see when you're not, hey, when you're not part of that market, you're seeing some highlights, you're seeing some things, you're looking at some throws, you're, you're breaking down individual plays. You're not going through the entirety of every game, every play, looking at, well, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. What you're seeing is the highlight things, and you're seeing the comeback wins because you played great defense, you ran the ball, you kept the game close. Then it was, hey, man, scramble around and make plays at the end of a game. I mean, go back through there. Go back and watch Pete Carroll used to talk to me. He's talked to me about this personally, one-on-one. How many, how many close games, how many one-score games they ended up winning late in the fourth quarter? They knew the formula. Keep it close, keep it close, and let's go make a big play 
And it was Russ that made the big play, but usually it was a big off-schedule play, and it was those receivers. Now, to be clear, you're you're are you talking just about the way that the Seahawks handled Russ as a player or how good they were at handling Russ and his team behind the scenes? Oh, all of it. All as of it. as a player, uh, at, you know, understanding. I know you've been you're very, and I, 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 I'm not looking to to pin you down because I, I know that you, you know a lot of things in confidence. But how much can you share? Well, I, that sheds a little bit more light on Russ, the uh, the person behind the scenes versus the one that we see publicly. Well, I mean, I, I think that I think Russ works exceptionally hard. I mean, he is first in, last out. He, he does all those things, man. He is a hard worker. He prepares. He does all those things. And so that makes him a likable figure. But, you know, it does come with an entourage of of people that are in his corner that are holding holding the organization, you know, accountable and, and demanding things and all this, that, and the other. It thinks that, you know, Sean Payton, I mean, Sean Payton it was famous when he said, um, when he said in his introductory press conference, I don't know anything about that quarterback thing, but it ain't going to happen on my watch. You know, when you have your personal quarterback coach at practice, and, and I've seen it in Seattle, I've seen all his people all over the place monitoring, you know, how many dropbacks he takes, like what his workload was. And, you know, and, and go to the organization and say, hey, we want, you know, less for him today on this. Like stuff that you just like, that, that can't be. That can't be the way it operates. So, yeah, the Seattle did a phenomenal job in in managing that and keeping, you know, keeping Russ almost like keeping him. I don't know, sympathetic figure is probably not the right terminology, but keeping the keeping the dirty stuff. Out of the public eye. So it's fair to say there are definitely two sides of Russ. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, and, I, and a lot of it, like he just lets his people handle it. You know, wash my hands. It's not me. Let them handle it. So yeah, there's there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. Uh, real quick on the text line, Ramosov.com. Text line, your criticism of Russ is not fair simply because you're counting Hackett's year against him. If he's bad one more year, then fine, it's warranted. He was bad last year. I know you're looking at the stats, and you're like, well, these stats are... It's funny how we can look at the stats and we can completely ignore the number of sacks. And we can we can completely ignore a lot of a lot of the the things like the lack of a run game. We can completely ignore a lot of things that go hand-in-hand with your quarterback play. So we're not going to hold them accountable for the bad plays or the sacks or the things that don't work out. But we will use the stats to say, look how good he was. He's had better numbers than Mahomes. So the texter that says that Hackett's year shouldn't count against Russ, it was the year where Russ was given everything he wanted. Right. Hackett famously was quoted as saying, it's all about about Russ. So... right. If, he got, if, you if know everything what? was given to him the way he wanted it, how can that year not be held against him? The hacky, about Russ. The yes. Hackett year, the Hackett year is everything Russ got 
that Seattle wouldn't give him. How'd it work out? What's Trending? Coming up next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Great news for the Avalanche. It's funny. We were talking yesterday about uh, our buddy Adrian Dater saying, according to his sources, according yeah. to my sources, uh, that Valentuskin would be back definitely before the end of the season. Well, be back turned out to be yesterday as he was uh, not only uh, jumped out of the program, but jumped right back out on the ice. He was out there practicing, and uh, Jared Bednar uh, was very, very, very pleased to see him and, and understood that guys got to be right. Got to got to feel right mentally. No question. I mean, the mental health I think is is so important. I mean, you can't in any walk of life you can't perform the way that you want to perform or live day to day the way you want to if you're not feeling right and, and feeling positive mentally so I think even more so for an athlete it's it's extremely important to take care of yourself away from the rink and- I'm curious Mark to get your take on this because as somebody who's definitely from a grew up playing in a different era mm-hmm. and uh, definitely somebody who has uh, proven time and time again to to play through a lot of physical pain and the mental toughness that goes along with it. How do you feel about the increase in sports to give guys a chance to get away to address their mental health? (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Okay. Here's the look on your face. What? Hey, listen. Good. I'm glad. Get your faculties together. Uh huh. I I don't just just. I don't know. It just wasn't part of. Do you think that, looking back on it, that there were plenty of guys that you knew that you played with that would have benefited from the kind of mindset that exists today? Hey, if you need to take off for two, three weeks, a month, during the course of the season to get your head right, do it. Still get paid. All that stuff. Um, I don't know. There was just a different level of everybody has stuff. Everybody has issues. Deal with it. But so you're saying that the guys that go into these programs just aren't good enough at dealing with it, like guys used to be. All I know is that none of those programs existed, and we didn't have as you know, it didn't feel like we had a bunch of people freaking out. I don't like. Hey, listen, man. To each his own. Mental health is very important. You know. I don't know. Okay, I'll go to church. Hell of an endorsement right there. Yeah. Okay. Draymond Green. What was my face like, by the way? (laughs) You look because you knew. I think you knew the way you were looking at me. I I knew how you were going to answer it. Yes, I I guess I did. I I, I did. Listen, I I did. I'm not trying to make light of mental health. It just is. It's a foreign concept to me. Get good or get gone. Get tough or get out. Where's your killer instinct, son? Yeah, I just. It doesn't. I don't know. Okay. I, I. I'm not surprised by your answer. Right. I, I, okay, boomer. I'm really not. Anybody has nothing to do with being a boomer. I, 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 I tell you, like, go through the New Testament and the Bible. You, you are promised trouble in this life about 110 times. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. 
spoken from the word of God, you're going to have issues. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. It's part of the deal. So, you but know, if you can get a little help along the way in dealing with those inevitable troubles, what's wrong with sure, that? Rather no, than taking it on by yourself. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just is a it's just a, a different there's a different perspective there. Draymond Green on his uh, podcast just hours after going head to head with Nikola Jokic. Boy, you can you can hear the respect. And this, this is Draymond Green by the way, folks, okay? One of the more combustible hmm. Poor sport athletes we've seen in a long time, but not when it comes to talking about Joker. I got a lot of respect for Joker. I always have. I, I love the way he go about his business. Um, obviously a great basketball player. And Joker caught me with the shoulder and the chin, and they didn't call off as a foul. And I wrapped him up, and we was coming back down the court. Yeah, and he was like, Brought that up. That was definitely a foul. He was like 100% a foul. He's like, but I didn't try to on purpose. I, and I'm like, no, I know you didn't try to on purpose. He followed up by saying, that's why I only wrapped you up. That's, that's why right. I didn't go full Nurkic on you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you had a Nurkic and I hit you in the back of the head. Right. But because I love you and respect yeah. you, I just gave you a little bear hug. Exactly. Get over here, you. <laughs> we'll hear a lot more from Draymond coming up here in a second. So... I mentioned how it, it seems like the there's an overwhelming uh, a, a tidal wave of uh, Nikola Jokic love, admiration, respect. Mm-hmm. It it's a foregone conclusion. The guy's going to win the MVP. But but Stephen A. Smith still fighting the good fight, trying to come up with somebody else. Like Jason Tatum. I mean, listen, the best player on the best team, you're the number one option. Everybody's watching you. All every Everybody's coming at you every single night. You're the number one team by six games. Come on now. I can't, I can't ignore that from Jason Tatum. I can't ignore that. The one time they went head-to-head this season, Tatum and Jalen Brown were awful. Awful. Down the stretch. While the Nuggets... And Jokic and Murray carved them up, put on a clinic. I was reading some of the Boston accounts after that game, and the Boston media was like, that's how they they were so impressed by the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Tatum, Brown, Joe Mazzula, the coach, watch that. That's how you do it. Boston media was open and saying, that's how you close. That's what champions do. So I, I don't want to hear about Jason Tatum. I, well, they're going to keep. I mean, they're going to keep pumping up Jason Tatum. That's, I mean, that's what they're going to do. I mean, I, I mean, the best player on the best team. Is he the best player? Not even. No, no. he's the, he's their best player. He's but, their best player, but, but he's not the best no. player. No. How can you say, if you're Stephen A. Smith, how can you say, because what, he scores, what, two more points a night than than. Joker does. Luckily, most of the national narrative has, has been honest, but you, you still have some people who are out there like, I gotta play the game. I gotta create uh, some smoke here. I gotta, I gotta come up with other possibilities. And it's clear, 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 clear that ESPN anointed, at least for now, Jason Tatum is the guy to be the MVP instead of Nikola Jokic, and, and Stephen A is, is carrying that flag. Now, this was in a an exchange between Stephen A and uh, our buddy Shannon Sharp. Shannon tried to uh, stand up for Joker. 
what I'm supposed to do by 32, 16, and 16. I feel you on that. That's, that, that's spectacular. There's no doubt about that. I mean, but, tw but 27 a night yeah. for a team that's six games better than you. You just brought up Boston's record. They're the number one overall seed. Jason Tatum can't be ignored. Don't care. Don't care. Mm -hmm. Nuggets are the defending champs, not the Celtics. Last time they met, the only time they met, Nuggets won in their building, handed them their first loss. Now they're playing here, what, I think next Thursday, I believe. So, I'll tell you what, Celtics, Jason Tatum, all right, you'll get your, your chance at a rematch. They don't happen to be on the back end of a like a back-to-back -back or something where Tatum won't play. No. Uh, let me quickly check that. That's the, I, I'm a little bit interested. Let me check that. They play, uh, they play Tuesday in Cleveland. Okay. And then Thursday out here. So, no. No yeah. excuses. Okay. No excuses. Yeah, it'll be uh, that's going to be a great ma matchup. Stephen A. Stephen A. We'll be watching. Uh, no mm -hmm. excuses. No explanations. Do your job. We'll be watching closely. That is uh, what is trending. Bring that to you each and every morning at 730. Up next, Telestrator Tuesday. Ooh. Mark dove into the coach's film when it comes to Drake May. What does Mark think? Your answer coming up next. It's Talis Raider Tuesday. John Elwood, that was a bootleg pass. We talked about the cross. And remember I said how they run those crosses on you? They run those crosses, and you jump up on those crosses, and they get that post in behind you. Steve takes you into the classroom using the exclusive game film only the Broncos coaches have access to. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. Here's Slareth and Evans with Telestrator Tuesday. So for a, a long time, and it, it, it is so funny when you when you get into this this time of the uh, off season with with the NFL, the time spent between the end of the college football season and the combine and pro days and uh, free agency and ultimately the draft. These college quarterbacks have not played a down of football. Since then, but yet the narrative around these guys can shift dramatically. So much so that the the widely held opinion was it was Caleb Williams and Drake May as the two can't miss quarterbacks, and then there was the next level. There was a gap, and then there was the next level. But we we've had plenty of folks who've come out and have been critical of Caleb Williams. And Drake May. So it was with uh, interest that I assigned to you, Mark. Telestrator Tuesday, a deep coaches film dive into North Carolina quarterback Drake May. What did you see? Well, first and foremost, we're going to have Kurt Warner on. And he basically, basically this weekend, Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, said essentially what I've been saying all along. College football is hard to watch. And it's hard to evaluate what a quarterback is and what he isn't in the college in in the game of college football. Um, really, I think the only thing that you can truly evaluate is arm talent and athleticism. And beyond that, there's not a whole lot that's applicable to life in the NFL. So, very static formationally speaking. So you're not getting in and out of personnel groups. You're not motioning people to find out, you know, what people are like, what defenses are playing. 
you are essentially lining up statically. You're picking out one guy and you're becoming a sight thrower. Now, you know, there are a lot of people out there that have elevated Drake May beyond Caleb Williams and have said, hey, he's my number one quarterback. The things that I saw were a incredibly loopy delivery. So that never bodes well when you're not when you aren't when the hand the ball does not come out of your hand quickly when you have a big looping delivery that's time for DBs in the NFL to break on things very much a sight thrower inaccurate underneath i thought he was incredibly inaccurate in the game now i only watched one game so but offenses don't change like you're not changing your offense based upon you know opponent you run what you run he made some really good deep ball throws, some posts and stuff. He also missed at least a dozen throws that weren't close. And I'm not talking about throwing the ball away. I'm talking about dirting a ball to a stick, you know, a guy running a six-yard stick route on a little out route. And it's like it was loopy delivery, inaccurate underneath. He is athletic. He can move around and motor around. Uh, I honestly would rather sign Drew Locke back this offseason than draft Drake May. Wow. I think Drew Locke is a much better, much more accomplished quarterback than Drake May. I would I, I would not I wouldn't move anywhere close to drafting that guy. Really? Yeah. What if, what if he, what if he was available, inexplicably at twelve? I would, I would say, hey man, great athlete, you know, good athlete, uh, does have arm talent, lot of like, lot of question marks, tons for me, tons of question marks, and again, I, I don't know. Here's what, what you can't evaluate: what happens when he gets into an NFL style of offense. Where you've actually got to read a progression. Can he do it? I don't know. He's not asked to do it. You're just not asked to do it in the college game. So it's really hard to go, oh, yeah, man, look at him get from front side to back side. Look at him eliminate the front side based upon the look he gets post snap. You know, look at him read the safety rotation and knows exactly where he wants to go. None of that, it doesn't exist in college football. So you have looked now. With Telestrator Tuesday, you've looked at, uh, okay, so you've looked at uh, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Caleb Williams, and Drake May. Mm -hmm. Still got Jaden Daniels to do. We'll do that on Thursday. But you've looked at those five. Rank them based on what you've seen. Well, if you're, if you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're drafting, you're an NFL team, you need a quarterback, and you got your choice between all five. Rank them. Well, I think from a pure talent standpoint, Caleb Williams is probably the most just overall athleticism, arm talent, ability to, to make a big-time throw. He he would probably be number one. But again, the offense is it, – it doesn't necessarily – Dan Orlovsky, for what it's worth, came out and said um, – he, he said, "USC's terrible. Like their their line play, their scheme, terrible. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't hold that against Caleb Williams. Just 
trying to just zero in on just watching Williams. He thinks Williams is special. And that he was really dragged down by I, well, he's got, what was around him. He's cert- uh, he certainly has special qualities. But again, how do you evaluate how do you evaluate somebody for the the next it's like evaluating to me it's all right, so let me just off the top of my head give you a scenario. It's like watching a kid at the skateboard park. Right? Josh Dover. You watch Josh Dover at the skateboard park and then you extrapolate from his ability to skateboard what kind of bicycle rider he is. Really? That that's how difficult this is? This is what you're comparing? It's just not it, college the, to pro. And the offenses are just yeah, it, it you're not asked to get through. You're not you're you're asked to pick out a guy and throw it to him. Now, the thing about the loopy delivery stuff that scares me a little bit, there was inaccuracy underneath. And the thing about loopy delivery that that scares me, man, if you're telegraphing where you're throwing the football to, hey, you can get away with that in college because what is completely covered in college is wide open in the National Football League. So Caleb Williams won. Keep going. Um just based on the system, and I, I've got to go back. Into I, think the, I know where you're going to go. I, I've got to go back into the coaches' film, but based on the system, um, I guess. Yeah, I think you're going to take JJ McCarthy. Yeah, I would. I would. And I think you're going to go Bo Nix three. I probably would. Yeah, Drake May four. Uh huh. And Penix a distant five. Correct. Okay, but I, I just keep going back beyond arm talent and. Ath- just athletic talent, like your ability to motor around. I would, you know, I, I would, I think those are the things that you can truly evaluate. But my biggest takeaway listening to you do these college quarterback breakdowns is there's nobody that you would feel like I, if, if you're the Broncos picking at 12, that you have to have. No, I, I, I mean, there's, I would, I would eventually, I would venture to guess that. You know, again, you're you're picking these guys on incredible, like incredible potential, in hopes that, hey man, when we get them in the NFL, they're going to be able to roll through progressions. They're going to be able to diagnose coverages and and safety rotations and where they should go with the football based upon the look they're getting. You know, middle field open, middle field close. Where do I want to go with the football? Um, but again, college. The, the college game doesn't necessarily prepare you for that stuff. I'm sure there there's some of it. And you see some guys get, you know, from the front side and all of a sudden, ah, no, it's not good, and they get to the back side. But I, I tell you the other thing about Drake May that blew me away, you don't understand protection. Mm. You're gonna get your head ripped off in the NFL. You don't know you don't know where you're protected, where you're not protected. Is this guy Will Levis? Is this guy Will Levis in terms of, Dude, hey, he could go number six overall or he could? No, I think because he is, you know, because he's got a, a body similar to Josh Allen and he can scram, he can motor around a little bit. I think he'll go. I think people will just look at that potential and say, oh, you know, under our expert tutelage, we're going to make him we're going to make him a player. You know, this it, is something about Drew Locke. I had a just one on one conversation with Drew Locke about protections. He said, coming out of college, this is Drew Locke to me, coming out of college, I knew nothing about protection. 
I didn't have to identify mics or, or change protections. Or A lot of us in college can emphasize with that. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> did not know. Uh, what? Huh? Was that out loud? What did you say? <laughs> Was Whoa. I talking out loud? What the? <laughs> what are you talking about? Hello. What did Cam Newton do to yeah. people? <laughs> 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 uh, That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, Never mind. I'm sorry. No, Sophomore okay. humor. Go, yes, keep going. Yes, yes. Where were we? Uh, Drew Locke protection. Yeah. Drew Locke was just like, I, I didn't know anything about protections. And and you see that a lot. I mean, the, the, the game I dug into, the Notre Dame game for Caleb Williams, he must have been sacked. I have no idea, but I, I would assume he sacked seven times in that game, maybe more. And same thing goes for Drake May, getting sacked. Now, he did throw a couple of deep post balls that were really nice, but um, he also missed – he just missed a bunch of throws that I was just like, really? This is a guy we're so giddy about? Wow. I have to – we have to get Clad on and just a no-holds-barred, you guys both sign up for me being a wedge-driving fool between you two because – he thinks that Drake May and Caleb Williams are two of the top four generational quarterbacks to come out of college in the last decade plus. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to hear you two. Uh, there's a debate this. Okay, there's a difference between generational talent and guys that guys that transitioned the NFL well. It's a, there's a big difference, and if you're looking at hey man, if you're looking at generational talent like. Big, strong, athletic, you know, big arm. Your big arm. I, I just don't like the loopy delivery. Mm-hmm. He does have a big arm. Mm-hmm. Like he can throw it. I like Caleb Williams mechanically better throwing the ball. It's just like I said with Penix. I hated the way he threw the ball. Just feels like he's going to get, you know, three, four balls batted at the line of scrimmage. And I just, again, the it's hard to evaluate college football because the concepts are not the concepts they run in the NFL. And you, all the grief I give you, uh, you, nobody watches more film, NFL film, than you do. And so when, when you talk about the, the stark, and it's obvious listening to you, the stark, you, you can't stand college football. I mean, when you said college football is hard to watch, hard from the standpoint it's just played poorly. And if you're trying to project these guys into the NFL, you know what NFL looks like, and then you turn on the tape and watch college, and am I reading it correctly? Yeah. You just can't believe how stark the difference is. Yeah, even even when you see bad NFL football from an execution standpoint, it's usually you're not you're busting a protection or you're not physically holding up, right? You're getting penalties, whatever, right? You're you're out of balance, so you have to reach out and grab people and do all that stuff. Okay, I, I, I get that, right? But it's not like here's one guy who's running a slant, and I'm just going to hang on. I'm going to hang on to that guy, and I'm going to throw it regardless. I'm going to hang on and wait, 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 wait till he gets open. You're never you're never eliminating things. Like leverage should eliminate you from that. Okay, that that's not going to be open, so let me move on. And... It just doesn't happen very often. It just doesn't happen very often. That's all I'm saying. Boy, uh, Jaden Daniels right now is very, very worried as he'll be uh, next up in Mark's Scorched Earth College Quarterback Evaluation Tour coming up on Thursday.
That's it. That's the last one. We may have to look at Michael Pratt, too. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised when it's all Sinjin. You're like, I like Michael Pratt more than all of them. <laughs> Kid from uh, Tulane. I, would, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I, I wouldn't either, which is scary. 